0: I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much.
1: I don't think society is set up really to support too, too many people, men included. Young women torture themselves in a whole other way. We went through that. We know what that looks like. So I actually think it's that might be the bigger thing and be like, well, who makes the rules for me? Right. I make the rules for me. The people I choose to be around, they represent the rules I live by. Society is not set up really for any of us. It's like, hey, buy more, get happy. You need more, be thinner, be more muscular, be richer. So I think it's for everybody to be clear about whose rules are you living by. It isn't about being perfect,
0: it's about being better. Hello, my name is Dr. Stephanie Stima, and I host expert discussions with thought leaders in all facets of health, including nutrition, fitness, hormones, stress management, performance, recovery, longevity, health span, and energy production. On this show, we discuss complex science, but then we also alchemize it into actionable everyday living. The ultimate goal with the show is to assist you in making informed decisions about your health and to catapult you into being the hero in your own life. Hello, my Bettys, and welcome back to another episode of Better with Dr. Stephanie. It's me, your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. And today, I welcome Gabby Reese to the show. Gabby is not only a volleyball legend, but an inspirational health and fitness leader, podcast host, corporate speaker, New York Times bestselling author, wife, and mother. She is a former professional beach volleyball player and Nike's first female spokeswoman, and she is the definition of athleticism and beauty. Together with her husband, Laird Hamilton, they run a health food company, Laird Superfoods, along with many other entities. And I invited Gabby on the show today to really talk about what it means to be a woman who seems to have really conquered her life in all the verticals that matter. So we talk about her athletics, we talk about her ventures that she has uh, embarked on, Laird Superfoods being one of them her life as a wife and mother, and some of the challenges that she has had, some of the lessons that she's learned along the way, and now being a 54-year-old goddess, if I may, uh, some of the things that she has learned and the wisdom that she is sharing. So we talked a lot about her previous life, we talked about being a fitness model, transitioning to sport, some of the things that team sport um, has taught her. We talked about self-care, what self-care might look like as a woman. We talked about her husband and her relationship. We talked about some of the businesses, XPT, Layered, uh, Layered Superfoods, as I mentioned, really just a very robust conversation. I sort of imagine as you're listening to this, you might find a lot of similarities between yourself and Gabby, and some of the lessons that she has, some of the takeaways that she has uh, garnered, I think are going to be very valuable. So share this with your girlfriends, share it far and wide, and please enjoy my conversation with Gabby Reese. Phospholipids are the building blocks that make up your cell membranes, and they are responsible for allowing nutrients in and waste products out of your cells, as well as protecting your cells from toxins and invaders. You lose phospholipids as you age, so both our production goes down, and they become damaged from exposures to things like glyphosate and heavy metals and all those other fun chemicals and pesticides that we're exposed to on the daily. This is where Body Bio PC comes in. BodyBioPC is a liposomal phospholipid complex designed to nourish your cells for healthy aging, optimal brain function, gut health, a better metabolism, and much more. Body bio PC contains concentrated levels of phosphatidylcholine, which is essential for memory, phosphatidyl ethanolamine, which is vital for mitochondrial function, and phosphatidyl inositol, which is supportive to the brain and neurotransmission. Prioritizing your cellular health is absolutely foundational for your health and well-being as you age and you are navigating perimenopause. You can save 15% off of your first order with code BETTER at checkout at bodybio.com. So head over to bodybio.com forward slash better and use better at checkout. An average person breathes 17,000 liters of air per day, making air quality crucial for better sleep, hormone production, and immune function. Indoor air is often five times more polluted than outside air. There's mold, there's pet dander, there's toxins, allergens, and even the sprays that you use to clean your home. It can all get into your lungs. After the wildfires last year and watching the air quality in my city plummet, I decided to do something about it. I decided on the Jasper Air Purifier because this company specializes in air quality and is the premier air filter for dental and medical offices. I have one in my main floor in my kitchen, and I just bought another one to put upstairs where the family sleeps at night. Jasper covers about 1,600 square feet and automatically adjusts how much purifying is needed based on the quality of the current air. It is quiet, it's beautiful looking, and blends into our modern decor. Get better sleep tonight by heading over to jasper.co forward slash better. That's j-a-s-p-r dot c-o forward slash better to get 10% off of your Jasper unit today. All right, Gabby Reese, I am so excited to welcome you to The Better Show. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: When somebody, you know, when someone looks at you and some of the success that you have been able to achieve in your life, they might be very intimidated by it. So you've, you know, reached incredible success in your career as an athlete, as a mother, as an entrepreneur, as a wife, married for, you know, the decades that you've been married. And I remember many years ago, a mentor of mine who, similar to you, you know, gorgeous, tall, blonde, and we were talking about female friendships and we were talking about sort of the... How people sort of make assumptions about you one of the things that she said and I never forgot it was you have to help people get over the way that you look so that they can get past you know whatever biases whatever assumptions that they might have made about you and I thought that that was so profound and I and I always kept that because I always felt like you know however you look, you know good bad ugly whatever you know good bad neutral is has absolutely nothing to do with you right it's like you didn't do anything to earn it or not earn it it's just sort of there mm-hmm. and under like knowing that you've had you know a background in modeling and you know you're you know this beautiful cover girl i wondered if your experience has been similar if you've had to navigate or to help people get over how you look in order to see you know, the the person behind, you know, the genetic expression of hair color and skin and height and all of that?
1: I think when I was a young woman, a young adult woman, especially playing college volleyball and, and working, you know, kind of legitimately in the fashion business as sort of two separate worlds, I felt so strongly about wanting to be, I wanted to be taken seriously and I wanted to be considered an athlete and, uh, you know, like I, I'm training hard and I'm a grounded person, and whatever s- stories I had going for myself. Because also maybe it's like you don't have proof of concept yet. You haven't mm-hmm. lived a minute. And then I think as you get older, you start to understand because I used to even say 90% of my time was spent in training and being around sports But I could play in a tournament, people could watch me get off the court, and somehow they wanted me to sign a picture of myself that was, you know, done by a really talented photographer. And it was, you know, it's all the smoke and mirrors. And I thought, oh, it's so funny. People will see in you whatever they want to see in you. It doesn't matter what we do. And so I think the important thing is, is that you're representing something that you feel good about and not put a ton of energy into let me convince you or let me show you. It's like, hey, sometimes it takes a minute. You got to you have to throw down some good work. You have to show up day after day. And in my case, now I'm old enough that it's literally like year after year. I don't you know, I don't need to show up and be like I'm really committed to the space of taking care of yourself. I mean, it's been 35 years. So, I think there's a lesson in there when you're younger to be like I can't control what you think of me. And so I'm going to show up in the world in a way that I respect, that I feel good, that reflects who I feel like I am inside and kind of let the chips where they may, because you could transcend that beyond appearance. And you could say, it's like somebody trying to be a people pleaser. Like with women, oftentimes it's like, oh, I want everyone to like me and everybody to feel good. There's no shot. So be yourself, be you, show up in the way that you can deal with and don't worry about it because otherwise it's, I think that's a no win. And then, if I just talk from a superficial point of view, I think being six foot three made parts of that easier because your physical size, my physical size also, it was like, oh, she's pretty, but oh, it's, she's also kind like, I almost overlapped into the masculine because mm-hmm. of my size. Mm-hmm. And so I think that also softened that line a little bit but but i will say sure i i really you know i wanted to be about all these things and it just took time and and really just honoring yourself what what age do you think that you
0: came to that what did you did you think that that was younger in your journey because you were because you were taller so early in, on in life that you sort of came to that or did that come to you after like in your 20s and your 30s when did you sort of settle on that because i when as you're talking I'm thinking, wow, she's so wise beyond her years because I I can tell you that there are myself included and people, you know, the women in my community. We are often conditioned to a point where we don't even we can't even recognize that you know the program where we mm. are trying to be nurturing. We're trying to be in service of other people. We're trying to get the likes. We're trying to get the approval, and in in so doing lose ourselves so I'm, I'm wondering where at what point in your journey do you feel like you sort of came to that or started playing with that with that philosophy of just kind of showing up you know staying in integrity with who you are and at the end mm-hmm. of the day letting the cards fall where where they may
1: I, well I think a few things come to mind first of all I didn't grow up with social media so I didn't I didn't have that volume right I had something else and if they were going to write something bad about you it was going to be like on a network television show, a morning show or a newspaper. So it was slow and, and you knew who did it, right? Like it was somebody that had to put their name or face to it. So I think the barrage that your group has to deal with is, is a lot more challenging than what I had to deal with. So it's like you, my cake got to bake a little more before I got hit with these other things that you all deal with. But, and also what made it trickier for me was I was on a team. Right. So you're on a team sport and you're with mingling with people. So that actually was the hardest part for me. So I would say my late twenties, maybe early thirties, cause you know, you tried all these different ways and you go, it doesn't seem to work to really try to make everybody happy or think that you're trying to be a decent person and show up. And so I'm, I, I gotta let that go. And then having those fee- few key relationships of people who will support you, and be happy for your victories, but also shoot straight with you, right? They're not there to stroke you. They're there to, you know, they'll tell you the truth, like, Hey, you're behaving badly and congratulations on kicking ass. Like you want those kind of people and you use them, you know, beyond yourself as the litmus for like, what's my gauge and getting feedback. I had a volleyball coach tell me once coaching the team that, you know, a lot of decisions get made. We have goals. And she goes, listen, at the end of the day, I make the, I do what's best for the team. So, if in your case, if you're talking about, I'm going to do what's best for my family or for myself and my health and my career. And she goes, And after that, I know one person is at least satisfied. And she's like, Me. Right. And that is very difficult to do, especially for women to be unapologetic about, Yeah, no, guys, this is what feels good and right to me. So, I think kind of having those influences and, you know, having an exaggerated reality of being in sports. I had to get to it quick because the other side of it is I don't want to torture myself. Like, well, that's one thing I, th- I think I have actually going for me is I don't, I'm not going to sit here and over and over torture myself. I'm going to go, okay, I, this is something I obviously have to work on or figure out and land on something, make a decision and then just kind of metal up and, you know, Byron Katie talks about what you think of me is none of my business. And that can be for the great, like you're amazing. That also has nothing to do with us. Right. It's that projection that you were talking about their project- Correct. Right. Yeah. And there's one more caveat too, which is interesting that I'm always curious to watch women navigate. We get rewarded when it's, you know, I put it in air quotes, pretty, right? You, if you post a picture with like in-depth information, one through five, You get X amount of likes. If you post a beautiful picture of yourself, I would assume you get more. And so it's a constant, confusing message. Yeah. Of we want you to be nurturing. We want you to be humble. We want you to be kind. We want you to work hard. Oh, yeah. But what we're really going to respond to is your hair looks so shiny. Right. So I think we got (laughs) to deal with that too.
0: It's the America Ferrera soliloquy from Barbie. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but she's like, you got to be beautiful, but not too beautiful because you're going to, you're going to threaten your other sisters. You got to be, you want to be healthy, but really healthy means thin and you can never age and you can, you can't be bossy. If you're too bossy, you're a bitch. You know, it's like all and on and on and on. And uh, I remember watching that in the theater and she sort of had the, you know, the monologue and I just was, started crying in the theater. I was like, that is she had summed up in that, you know, call it three or four minute monologue some of the struggles that so many women have. And my my audience and myself, you know, in perimenopause navigating perimenopause and and menopause, I think that there's this beautiful portal or this beautiful opportunity to sort of get back to who we are because there's so many, you know, there's been so many years, decades, let's say, where we've been in service to, You know, other people raising children. Maybe there's been a career where you've been. You know, maybe you're not an entrepreneur. You've been serving. You know, someone else. And you know, in your 40s and your 50s, especially when your hormones start to go a bit awry, maybe your sleep starts to be disturbed. Your capacity to tolerate the BS, I think, really. You you really have to sort of shrink. You have to sort. It's like addition through subtraction. Like you just have to get rid of what's not serving you, and and start to advocate for yourself in the way that you've been describing.
1: Yeah. And I think it's helpful to, if we, let's say someone uh, has a career or you develop a skill, a set. I, I think that supports us in another way. And then there might be people who, if they choose to have a family say, Hey, I'm going to serve the family, which is the hardest and most valuable job there is right. Either one it's, It's us being clear with our own reasons and our own strength and then flipping it saying like, I've even thought about this where I'm, you know, I'm 54 years old. I'm out of procreating time. I don't need to signal every male that comes within, you know, an (laughs) eyeshot of me because I'm not doing that. So I don't, it's a, and I have three very beautiful daughters. So it's so, it's so fun to kind of watch that whole biological thing happen again so, so that's why I, I always talk about self care because it's like, Hey, when you can get in touch with, I'm at this time in my life. I've learned these lessons. I have these skill sets. I feel good about my choices. Some things I'm going to tweak, right? Like I'm going to do more of this or less of that. That's great. But that also the other side of that is now we have maybe just a little more wisdom and something that we can also contribute back. Yeah. I think we, the notion of contributing back this idea of like grace and kind of the real power of that. So as we get older, I think two things happen, our ability to nurture and our ability to be more brutal. They go, they, I think it happens simultaneously. And I I think it's, it's set up pretty well. If we can, if we can find the relationship, the sweet spot on this stuff. And, and again, that's why I always encourage people to take care of themselves. So they feel good enough to do all this stuff.
0: I love what you're saying. I have so many questions. So I want to just make a comment around. I've been having conversations with other menopause experts on the show. And one of them, Dr. Lisa Moscone Mm -hmm. talked about this idea of, we're not reproductive anymore, let's say, in, in, in our, for, you know, maybe right. for, maybe our 40, but we are certainly productive, right? So there's this big kind of hoopla around, well, women, why, you know, what's the point of, because I think a lot of women, I get, I get this feedback a lot in my community where people are so scared of aging, they're so scared of losing, you know, their youth and all of that. And I think part of that is because our society has really, you know, encapsulated this idea that our, reprodu- our reproductive capacity in some ways defines our worth. So once we mm. now transition to menopause and in that menopo- perimenopausal transition, A a lot of women are now questioning, like, okay, well, if I can't have children anymore, like, what value do I bring? And I think that there's this hypothesis around the grandmother effect. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's, it's very interesting where a lot of men would say, oh, well, women, like, the reason why women live so long, it's, you know, it's because of modern medicine. And it's like, or, you know, it's also to support, let's say, your... Your girls, you know, you're, you know, 28, you mentioned your girls are 28 and 20 and 16. Let's say in the next five to 10 years, they're going to have children if that's what their, you know, their choices are in life. And you as a grandmother can help support the mom because her primary, her, her primary goal is to yeah. support the baby. Right. Yeah. So that's how in society, that's like the, that is the value of, you know, the wise you know, woman, right? The grandmother, the matriarch, let's say. And so I'm so happy you're saying this because I think, you know, I love that you said, you know, like, I don't need to like signal my, I don't need the male gaze. Like, I don't need that because you've already achieved so much and you're secure in sort of your positioning and you're transitioning potentially in the next several years into being, supporting your daughters.
1: And I, I want to add a caveat to that. I have been in the same relationship for 28 years and I, you know, I have a very overtly physically loving husband. Okay. So I want to say, like, if it was me today at this time in my life and maybe divorced, maybe that's a different dance. So I want right. to honor the fact that I have the benefit of saying this because I'll be honest. I don't want to. I'm not here to make babies, but I do like it that I feel like my husband is drawn and attracted to me and would like to have sex with me. That does feel good. Yes. I don't need it from everyone, but the fact that I have that with him does give me it. It, it feels good. You know, it feels nice. It, it allows me to express that side of myself which isn't dead just because I'm, however old I am. And so I, I just want to highlight that because I I would say if somebody was. You know, maybe at this moment, single, you could feel on wobbly ground because, oh, every guy my age dates somebody younger or whatever. Right. However, I am, I, maybe it's naive of me, I don't know, but I believe when we love ourselves and we feel good about like the life that we are living, whatever that looks like. I think that is very attractive to people and they want to be in partnerships with us, whether we're 40, 50, 60, if we're curious, if we're still asking questions and we're open to new ideas and new adventures. So I don't think, I understand, listen, beautiful young women, they're beautiful. They're beautiful to look at. And beautiful older women are beautiful for that same reason and and other reasons as well. So I think it's on us. I don't think society is set up really to support too too many people, men included, young women torture themselves in a whole other way. We went through that. We know what that looks like. So I actually think it's that might be the bigger thing and be like, well, who makes the rules for me? Right. I make the rules for me. The people I choose to be around, they represent the rules I live by. Society is not set up really for any of us. It's like, hey, buy more, get happy, you need more, be thinner, be more muscular, be richer. So I think it's for everybody to be clear about whose rules are you living by?
0: I love that. Yeah. And I think once you realize that, oh, actually I'm the steward of my own health and I'm the person who should be advocating for myself, I think that there's, there's almost a freedom and we're probably going to get, I'm going to, I'm just going to use a sort of an F-bomb here. So we're going to, for ladies that are listening, yeah, children in the car, you can pause this now, but you become unfuckwithable, you know, like you're just like, this is who I am No one's going to tell me that I need the $20,000 bag or the, you know, whatever the house, the two houses, the fence, whatever it is. And in that search for happiness, maybe is where we sort of realize that it's kind of an inside job, like nothing external. Like once we begin to unhitch our sort of reliance on society to, or our partner or friends or an event or whatever to make us happy, then that's really when we can, that's, I feel like we're free.
1: Yeah, and is it? Are you gonna have days that you catch weird light in your rear view mirror of your car, and you go, "Whoa!" Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, I right. mean, I have that sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh shit, okay." Like, but but then that's the idea. Like, do I lean into that, or do I go, "Okay, that could catch me. I'm gonna move on." Yeah, and um, and also the honor of aging. Right. I, you know, I, I it's a hard thing to come with because okay, I got aches and pains, and okay, you get wrinkled, whatever. You know, I have a. I have a very dear friend that uh, recently passed away in early December, and he was 44 years old with, you know, three, basically three teenage children. And so I think it's reframing things as is all life, because the suffering happens in the brain, it doesn't happen, you know, like you said to us. And so it's a practice, it's not very few people are just going to land on them, and they just do it that fluidly. I think that that's where the practice is, right? So it's, It's taking care of yourself, feeling good, trying to eat well to support yourself, trying to have a spiritual practice, whatever that looks like. And, and then again, those relationships, having those really strong relationships, I think helps us when we are down, like, hey, man, I don't feel good today, or it's wonky. And you got a friend that's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm with you. So it, it, it's not about, oh, it's just landed. Here it is. It's like, yeah, no, these are things that you work at. Yeah. What do you do for self-care?
0: You mentioned this before. I just made a note here. I wanted to come back to it. You said, you know, I make sure that I practice self-care. What does that look like for you?
1: You know, I think for me, it, it's not dissimilar, but in some ways, m- maybe a little different than certain other f- women. Coming from athletics, I just had that momentum and I just kept that momentum. And so, you know, it for me, it does start with movement. I have, even when I had been new babies, if it was like, hey, I've got 10 minutes, I'm doing it. So it's it's pretty rigorous uh, training because I think that gives me the mental capacity, that homeostasis, those hormones to just kind of deal mm-hmm. with everything, partners, children, businesses, whatever. And so I'm pretty ruthless, and I've always been ruthless. and And so I it's it's you know five days a week, it's six days a week, some three days in a pool and then three days on on land. And I'm I'm not fanatical. But if you probably looked at what I consume as far as eating, one would probably say I'm pretty disciplined, but I don't feel restrictive. I don't do it that way because I know that that is a no-go on a long-term play. You could do that for a week or two, but you're not going to do that uh, you know for a lifetime. So if I, if I go to the best Italian place and they have handmade pasta and if I want it, I eat it. Mm-hmm. But my daily practice is you know I say real real, plants and animals. That's how I eat high quality sourced animal protein. And I, I will supplement here and there with vitamin D. Certainly that seems to be the one that really shows up over and over for a myriad of things, but again, not with a restrictive attitude, but I I don't, I don't make excuses. And I also, I I don't drink alcohol. And I I do think that is overall supportive. Having said that, if people go, Hey, I really enjoy my wine or whatever, of course do whatever you got to do. But if you're asking me, My entire adult life, I grew up in the Caribbean, and people were the wheels were coming off the bus with the booze. So I think I learned that one pretty quick.
0: I would say, and I've gotten some heat for saying this in the past, but I will say it again. I think in perimenopause and in menopause, our our tolerance, I mean, alcohol is always going to be disruptive. So I understand, you know, and I've had women say to me, but I just, like, I just had such a crazy day. I need to unwind. It's like, you need to replace that behavior yeah. with something that is, because what you're doing is you're trying to numb. What you're trying to do is forget the stress or you're trying to put yourself, you're you're trying to change your physiology so that you're not dealing with, let's say, the tension with the teenager or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. whatever it is. And I, I feel you know, when we sort of look at alcohol and certainly I'm, you know, preaching to the choir here, but just for those who are listening, it's liquid sugar and it tends to be consumed in the evening after a meal. So, you know, after dinner, you know, nightcap, whatever it is. So you're consuming it very close to, you know, not, you know, your bedtime. And Mm -hmm. the majority of the literature, the majority of the studies seem to indicate specifically and particularly for women that Irrespective, whether it's alcohol or food, if you are eating after or drinking after the sun goes down, we just, on all metrics, we, we, do poorly. So latency okay. to sleep, HRV, blood pressure, resting heart rate, respiratory rate, blood perfusion to the per- like all the things. All the things get all the things get worse. So I yeah. sometimes take some heat for this because I think that in North American culture, it's like oh it's it's wine o'clock. You know, it's like it's five o'clock somewhere, and it's like yeah, yeah. okay, and go for a, a walk. <laughs> you know, like you don't need to have a glass of wine to un to unwind.
1: No, and I, I and I do I understand that because I probably use exercise to do that, so I know we're all looking for this kind of outlet. Yeah. So I t- I totally honor that, but I do appreciate this idea of s- substituting it for something else because in the end, if you just go, hey, I'm I'm trying to have as many things in my life that I'm in charge of that support me because life is throwing you things all the time, and and at the end of the day, there's really n- no way around it, and I know it's it's actually socially more weird when you don't drink. Like people think it's kind of weird. I don't drink. Yeah. And what's that saying? Just because it's normal, doesn't make it like, right. Yeah. (laughs) And so common is um, not normal. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think people, it's their own journey. But if you, Mm -hmm. you know, if someone was going to come to me and train with me and start and really be like, I really want to, and they weren't changing certain habits, I'd be like, well, when you're ready, you know, that's totally on, you know, on, on the person. But absolutely. I mean, it, Pretty much it's ethanol and it's, yeah, it's stuff on you.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned three times in the pool, three times on land. So mm-hmm. I did want to ask you about XPT. So this might be a good mm-hmm. sort of segue there. So in the when you're training in the pool, what is it that you're oh. doing? And then I also want to know what you're doing on land as well.
1: So I used to teach a free class when I lived in Kauai three days a week. It was, well, it was a dollar. So everyone was on my insurance. And I ended up with like, you know, anywhere from 60 to 100 people in the class. So I created this high X it's basically a 15 station, three minute rounds at each station with an A and a B move. And so you could be in a team and you follow another team. And by the time you're done, you do resistance training, some type of mobility, some type of proprioception imbalance, and some type of cardiovascular. So I designed this one workout called High x So I do that. Uh, it changes all the time. So hopefully you're, you know, just keep get, getting those small improvements. And then the pool was created my husband, Laird, who's a surfer, he was trying to figure out ways to be better and more efficient in his off-season in the water training for big wave season. And so all of us were his crash chest dummies, and we cr- he created with all of us XPT, which is sort of, there's two elements. There's sort of a hypoxic element when you're working horizontally, you're holding your breath, you're holding weights, um, and then there's an explosive element. So then you're working vertically. You're jumping off, you know, 10, 12 feet deep and with dumbbells and getting a breath In between each rep so there's a way to be explosive which i think is so important to continue to do if you can do it safely as you get older you don't want to abandon that type of training but you don't want to crush your joints yeah which is very common and the beautiful thing about the the horizontal components or the pool in general besides that like you're in water i don't know i mean there's a lot of magic to it it's a little it's hard in a different way when people talk about managing yourself the water tells you objectively because your thoughts burn air, the width of your eyes burn air, how hard you're holding the dumbbell burns oxygen. So this idea of being relaxed and efficient is really, you have an immediate gauge with the water. And so you and I could do a drill and you say, okay, Gabby, we're going to go back and forth four times without a breath. Okay. Now, one time I won't be able to do it because I'm like, well, I hope I can do it. I want to show her I'm good at it. And uh, you know, all these things. And all of a sudden I can't do it. Where when I really actually just focus on being efficient and calm and still and quiet. I don't burn as much oxygen, I can get there and back four times. So it's a really good environment to show you yourself and where you're at and how you're managing stress. Because then the idea would be, why am I training? I'm training to be better as a human organism and as a person. So yeah, I want to look fit and be fit and be able to do stuff. But the more I can train all these components to show up in the world better and respond better, this really interests me. I love that.
0: So the hypoxic is the horizontal. So this is where you're uh, like, you're doing laps. You said
1: like four laps, let's say back and forth. And that's on one breath of air. Yeah. I mean, you can do six, you can do two with heavy weight because you are holding a dumbbell. There's multiple, there's circuits. There's a lot of different variations of this. There's probably about 35 or six moves Hmm. that we have created in this curriculum for XPT. And so you can combine, I always joke, like you'll, you can combine the explosiveness and then you put a weight down and now all of a sudden you have to hold your breath and go there and back. So in real life, I liken it to you're on the phone. It's a business call you're kind of getting into it. And then your little kid or your lover walks in and you have to switch that side of your personality and be like, yes, what is it? So that pool, it's the same thing. I'm being explosive and dynamic. Oh, wait, now I have to be efficient and calm and cool. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of things and it's it's very challenging. You get to sit in a lot of discomfort that's not hurting your body a lot. And so I I like that.
0: I think that's important too, for women who are in their forties, fifties, sixties, we want to be thinking about, I love that. I love that you've incorporated explosive movements because we know that that's like speed and power are the things that like, you know, you can build strength, right? You can build strength in a gym that will happen, but the speed Mm -hmm. and explosiveness that we lose that something, it's something like 8% a year. Like I've heard stats that are like 8% a year, which is Terrifying. So the explosive movements are important, but to your point, you know, we don't want to be loading the joints and like, you know, the wear and tear that might happen from like a sprint or, yeah. I don't know, box jumps or whatever it is. There's a certain, you know, cost to that as well. So I love that, you know, the water
1: is, is sort of womb like and it's also very gentle. It is. That's a good point about it being womb like. There's something very magical about that. And I think it's restorative to your nervous system. And like, I have an artificial knee already from playing volleyball. So I'm very in touch with wearing stuff out. And I always tell the, the, I have men that come to my class as well, but I, I always tell women like, you're an athlete, let's figure out how to move like one. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if you didn't play high school sports and you think you're 62 or whatever. And you, I'm like, no, being a human being is being an athlete. And so let's figure, let's get connected to our bodies also.
0: And how can we use fitness, not necessarily to get better at fitness, although that can be Mm. a goal too, but how can we use fitness to get better at life?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, really at the end of the day, what's it for?
0: What's it for?
1: Yeah. What's the point? I love that. So
0: good. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. I'd love to ask you a little bit. You've mentioned a few times now that you've been married 28 years. uh, And certainly, you know, I applaud that. I've, I think that when you are on a journey with someone, if you're lucky, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be on a journey with, you know, act one, act two, act three with that person as that person is evolving. And at the risk of asking a very silly question, what, what are some of the strategies that you've developed in your, we'll call it, Dance tango lead and follow maybe with with your husband that you feel has contributed to you know a, a successful, loving, safe relationship that has legs that has that has the longevity that it's had.
1: And I, you know, I want to preface this because I I have also seen relationships that only lasted X amount of years and they were a success. They were they right. just had a different season, right? And right. so I, I I really honor that that reality. And also, I would like to say that I can, I can say clear as day on two different occasions, one in the year 2000 and one in 2007, that it was quite possible Laird and I could have gotten divorced. So this has not been without real education mm-hmm. and, and hiccups and stuff. So let's not, I just never like to set the it table. It hasn't been a walk. Like, and no one, and for the, I, I hope that my question wasn't like,
0: tell me about the fairy no. tale marriage yeah, no, you had. No. Yeah, I,
1: You know, the title of one of the books I wrote is my foot's too big for the glass, you know, to, for the glass slipper, <laughs> the because glass I don't slipper, think it, it, it is. And it's like, even, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm decently fit and it's like, yeah, it's every day, like it's work, and yeah, so yeah. what I would say is this: Laird and I joke it's like a cold war. Uh, what is it? Mutually agreed destruction. You know, there's a part of both of us that is just mean enough and selfish enough and kind of stubborn that it actually there's a checks and a balance. Like I, 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 it's very interesting for me because I am particularly conscious about the way that I speak to Laird. I don't, I never in a cavalier way. Address Laird, which is so weird after twenty eight years, right? I'm not dismissive of Laird, and it's and it and it's actually who I would like to be, but I have a partner that doesn't say it, but I'm pretty sure I know that that wouldn't work for him, and so I think both of us are monitoring and self governing ourselves, and. Yeah, once in a while, a boundary gets kind of thrown out there like, eh, you know, it's a little far. Mm -hmm. But it's really about each individual person taking care of themselves and then figuring out, and Tony Robbins has actually said this, it's like you're figuring out who you are trying to show up as and who you would like to show up as, and you do that. And if your partner matches you in that way of like, hey, this feels important and I want to try to be kind and supportive... Great. But you're not actually in charge of that. You're still only in charge of doing what you can do. And then also being pretty consistent with and pick them. Don't just make everything a problem. What are the real boundaries? Um, So that you're, it's pretty clear to your partner. So I I think there's that. I think Laird and I, our values are, are really similar, but we're very different. You know, he's really heart-based and uh, emotional and I'm really analytical but uh, you know, we we both grew up on islands. I grew up in the Caribbean. He grew up in Hawaii. How we value things, money, God, you, how we talk to people—it's very similar. And and then there's the other parts. I'm, I'm attracted to Laird, and and in our particular dynamic, that actually feels important. I think I know there's couples that have different priorities, but that is a part of our practice—is our connection and. I think I'm willing and I know Laird is willing. If it's kind of doesn't really matter, I'm happy to adjust. You know, like I pick the big things and if, if you're in a, you're in a mood or you have a thing, I don't take it personal. I can give you the space for that because this is what I try to teach my girls besides the benefit of the doubt. If you know what the essence of a person is someone who's well intended and good, and they've shown up over and over and over, why would you put a ton of energy If they're behaving badly for five minutes or just having a rough day, leave it alone. Like just get on with it because they've already shown you so many times this, this, like they've thrown down so much work. So I think there's a lot of that because I don't want to live in a nitpicky world or day with anybody. And so I really, I don't see either one of us really doing that to one another very often.
0: And you'd hope that he would afford the same grace to you. If you're having a bad day and you're a bit snippy or, you know, whatever, that he's going to say, you know what, I got, like, I got it. Maybe she didn't sleep well. Maybe something that works bothering her. I'll just, you know... We yeah. lots of free passes and like the intention, you know, I, one of the things I, I, I think at least for me. So I have, you know, you had mentioned before, sometimes relationships have seasons and I have my, the father of my children. We are very good friends now, not together. And I'm, you know, with my current partner now. And one of the things I think is important in any relationship is that you edify each other. I think mm-hmm. that. Sometimes, you know, maybe you're at a you know, dinner with friends and you're just like, and you know, the, the, you know, they're complaining about each other or they're po, and it just feels, at least for me, it feels very uncomfortable. It's like, Mm-mm. there's some, there's some residue here that both of you need to just have a conversation about or like something yeah. has, something has to happen. And w- I think what you were also talking about as well is your, you said you know there's two points in your marriage where it was it might have been likely where you would have split up. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I at least I have seen in, in my own uh, personal relationships and then others is you have I think for longevity in a relationship your your conflict resolution skills I think oh, have yeah. I think they have because you are going to fight there are going to be things that you yeah. are going to disagree on it could be parenting how you're spending your money who your friends are, where you work, yeah. whatever. And I don't know if this is the right term, but you know, there's like dirty fighting. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, where yeah. you're sort of character assassinating the person. Yeah. And then there's clean fighting where you're actually dealing with what's the actual issue here. So you're, snip- <laughs> you're snipping you're sniffing at me. Is it because you're tired? Are
1: you hungry? Yeah. You know, that's usually for me <laughs>
0: when I when I'm snippy, yeah. it's
1: usually I need food. I think that's a really beautiful point. Yeah. I think I, you know, and in, in all my years, my girls know this. Like I've never been called like a bitch or anything. Mm-hmm. Never. Like that. That's like you wouldn't do that to your best friend, right? You, I think you honor the people and you create within. Like what you're saying, we're in a disagreement, but it's safe. Mm-hmm. My husband is the one who taught me this. He taught me healthy conflict because he, he nips everything in the butt right away, and the more. It, Kind of heated or accelerated things get, the calmer and cooler Laird gets. And so I, and, and I also learned how to apologize safely. I, I was, I didn't grow up with adults that I trusted enough to apologize or be wrong. So I was always really important for me and I'm very proud to be right. And Laird is a person you can apologize and it never gets brought up and he genuinely moves on. So I think that that was, and then having children also teaches you to apologize, so I think it's I think that point though that you're saying is is really important because you wanna feel like no matter what it's like going to war with somebody, it's like okay, there's things about your behavior it's like maybe they're challenging, but man', when it comes down, you're right there, and yeah. that for me is super important,
0: yeah, yeah. I love that. And the, and the other thing I, you know, in terms of this is conversations conversation that me and my, my husband have is this idea of having a common future, right? So a lot of times you'll mm. see, and I was just having a conversation with a girlfriend recently, you know, she's questioning whether or not she should be staying in a relationship that she's in, you know, for the children and, you know, et cetera. And one of the things I said to her is, you know, I don't ever think and so this is just me being flat out, just a friend that I am. I'm like, I'm going to tell you how it is. So, you know, I never think that you should stay in a relationship for the kids or because no. you have a common past. You should be in a relationship with someone because you see a common future, that there's some tangential, like you're you're coming together and there's something that you're trying to build or continuing to, to build together. But ne- every single family member You know, my husband is Italian. So we have like the big fat Italian, you know, family. And there's always like the aunt, the crazy uncle, the this and that. And there's some family members that have stayed together for the kids. And it's like they have such a terrible relationship. And then the children end up being so messed up in terms of what they think relationships should be because they've been modeled this sort of toxic, you know, kind of model. And I would say that for me, I share your history somewhat in in terms of very chaotic upbringing, lots of physical, lots of emotional abuse. And in some ways, I'm very grateful for it because it really, sh- it, you know, it, it gave me a template for what I didn't, want to create mm-hmm. which sometimes is just as important as sometimes. the as the big hairy you know audacious like this is this is the land of the unicorn sparkles and rain this is what I want to create and also I want to make sure that I heal within me whatever needs to be healed so that I don't you know follow the same footsteps that you know I that I was shown
1: yeah i and and you know i'm going to take it one step harsher than that part of maybe why you want to have a common future is this is I think we get so far from like what it's all like what we're all who we are, like we are we're these animals. And in a way, we kind of need each other just to survive. Yeah. And so if you have this cooperation, it's like we're still of use to one another. And I know that is brutally harsh because you can be like, well, you have children, you have this. It's like, yes. And we are all still contributing. And we are of use. Now, If having said that, like, if we get down the road and something, God forbid, happens to me, I'm sure Laird is going to care for me. That's not what I'm suggesting. But what I'm suggesting is that there's still this notion of survival and cooperation that is built within us, whether it's on a cellular or survival kind of level, that I think that's kind of natural. Yeah. Yeah, well said. And being willing with Laird and I, we're both willing to be the flower or the farmer and that's important. We can kind of slide in and out. And so that, that also is helpful. When you say flower and farmer, are we talking like masculine and feminine energies? Is that what you mean by that? No, not necessarily. I, I, it's funny because you know, Laird is hyper-masculine and he's the most sensitive person in the house. And I, I actually think those things go part and parcel often. People have this a definition of masculinity and I go, and I'm always like, I don't know what guys you're around, but every <laughs> military guy I know, every special ops guy I know, Laird's a big wave surfer, all those guys, they're the most sensitive, the most helpful, the most protective. Loving. And they are the yeah. most masculine. So yeah. that is also part of why I chose Laird because the world, I, I, it's not that I can manage, but I could kind of manage that, you know, the world part. This was these things that I was like, you know, if something big happens that I cannot handle, I would like to have a partner that can help me. So no, it's like, sometimes it's about Laird in our work. It's like, it's about him and I'm happy to facilitate and lift him up and organize details and do all that. He's the flower. It's about him. And then we have other events or something going on and Laird's like, Hey, I'll help you. I'll watch the girls. I'll do whatever and go be the flower. So I think being willing to, to change those gears, I think as far as like masculine and feminine, we have pretty kind of cooperative and traditional roles. And it's just, I leaned into my strengths, he leaned into his strengths and it just kind of worked out that way. Yeah,
0: I I, I love this discussion because I think that, maybe this is just a broader comment on society, but I, I do think that this conversation can very quickly be misinterpreted. So if you are committed to misinterpreting what I'm about to say, you know, that's unfortunate, but I think that, you know, I have sons that I'm raising and Mm. they, one of the things that I'm really, that I really want to dial in for them is this ability to have high IQ, right? So to be intelligent in all sort of the traditional ways that you might think, but also to have high EQ. So the things that you would like this emotional quotient or this emotional intelligence. So you're talking about being sensitive and loving and protective and fiercely Mm -hmm. loyal. There's a lot of talk about toxic, Masculinity and me and my ex, who I mentioned like very good friends now, like we often will say to each other, like one of the worst things that you could be in 2024 is a white presenting male. Like you Mm -hmm. are the enemy in some ways. And it's, and it's unfortunate because
1: a few, a few bad apples have really ruined it. Yeah. And also, if we think about, like, if you want to get nitty-gritty, the roads, the bridges, all the shitty jobs, yeah. war, it's yeah. all done by guys. So yeah. how bad could they be? They're, you know, they stick their lo- neck on the line all the time. Right. And the, the difference is people are confusing misogyny or, or immature masculinity, which is something else, mm-hmm. with, with developed or mature masculinity and masculinity, which just like femininity, by the way, femininity is not weak. And so we have this right. weird twist right. that we flipped them. It's like, hey, femininity is not weak. Is it nurturing? Yes. Is that weak? No, that's not weak. And so I think we've the, the just culturally, and it's it's good for selling and for contention and for people to be at each other's throats without doing any real homework or developing their own themselves in yeah. these attributes, whatever those are. And really going, oh my gosh, if we all show up our best, whatever that looks like, even as a female being masculine, whatever that looks like, if we all show up our best and develop all these true traits to either one of these things, the world will be a better place. Yeah. But this middle hysterical, you know, everyone's blaming and oh, just based on the you're, the way you're born and a gender, like somehow then now these attributes are assigned to you, that's actually incorrect. So I think I- I'm hoping it's a phase. I don't know if it is or not. And I'm, and I'm really committed to instead of it's not that you can't worry about it. It's like, Hey, I have to keep doing my work on myself so I can be my best self, whatever that looks like and deal with my ego and my fear and all of my own bullshit and try to bring that forth. And I live with a partner that does the same thing and, and really do hope that this is a trend because I think a lot of people don't realize like we're being fooled, right? Like all this hysteria and fighting and stuff. It's like, it's such a distraction from the bigger things. And, and so my hope is, is that people get fatigued and they, they move on from it. There's a great book called from boys to men, I believe about men and, and raising, you know, like if I have three daughters, but if I had sons, it's a beautiful book. And it really kind of talks about some of some of this, that it, it's important. Someone from the Kippings Institute wrote it and it's it's great. And he has, you know, two or three sons himself. I love that. Well that is the next Amazon order. <laughs> that I am putting yeah, it's in. great. Yeah. And and we need it. By the way, like yeah. we all need to show up at our best selves. And we don't want men to feel bad or shameful for being men. We need them to develop their true masculinity so that they can be a part of the world that they live in. It's important. Yeah, and you said something
0: earlier around social media, like not growing up in social media, and it does. You know, I've had I've I think this was really accelerated or highlighted for me in the pandemic. There's just always something. First, there was the pandemic. We were like, well, we're all sure. gonna, di- well, we're all gonna die, and then you know, kind of May 2020, I was like. This doesn't pass the sniff test anymore for me, and then there was, and then there was always, there was always a crisis, and then there was George, and then there was all of these different Mm -hmm. sort of social issues, and it sort of continues even today. It was like, you know, last year was the Ukraine conflict, and now we have the Middle Eastern conflict, and now there's there's going to be something else, and there's something else, and something else, and all of those things. While I think that they deserve our attention, I think to your point, distract like you, you know, it's very, it would be very easy for someone who has always ever known a phone to be, you know, within arm's reach to become completely overwhelmed with the state of the world, yeah. rather than controlling what they can control, which is like getting up and being the, as you said, the best person that you can be, developing skills, reading books. Instead, you know, it's just this doom scrolling and the algo, you know, the algo is like, oh yeah, you like the Ukraine? Let me, mm. let me serve up more, more yeah. stuff, more doom and gloom for you. Yeah. So I, I think it can be very, what's the word I want to
1: say? Like it it's it's, like decapitating in a way well, and in- it's not helping us move it to a better place. Right. right so right. people that are in need are not getting more because yeah. of this yeah. and the people, the groups that are underserved are not now. It's just everyone's getting used as a pawn yes. in that distraction and keeping real shit from happening or mm-hmm. better progress from happening. And so my, again, my hope would be is that within all of our differences, the more we can come together So, you know, food, insurance, education, safety, roads, these are the things that we all share and what people want to do in their four walls, you know, I think should always be, it's up to them. And, and if there are groups that are underserved, well, then how do we support, honor, create, you know, equal opportunity and instead of we're just the fighting. So it's, it has been interesting and I, I do feel for people and I know that brains are getting hardwired a certain way and different indoctrinations and things like that. But I, I am hopeful because I I just don't think there's any other attitude to have. I agree. It's like, how, what else are we going to do? You know,
0: and hope is, yeah. you know, one of the, I've been sort of thinking very deeply about hope. It's like a very unique human trait. Like, I'm not sure that beavers are hopeful. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure that yeah. any other mammal has this capacity to think about their future. I mean, I'm sure someone... Maybe a dolphin or a whale or something, you know, but I, I wonder this, this ability to sort of think into the future and dream about a better, yeah. you know, place for our children and, you know, leave it better than how we found it. That sort of old saying, I think that that's a uniquely human attribute. And I think that there's nowhere else, like no, there's no other way to be otherwise.
1: no. What are are we doing? What do you do? And love is the greatest, right? Like it is the strongest and the greatest and the most healing. And, and at the end of the day, I think that's the thing that, and, and people, it's hard to do, right? Like even I was interviewing somebody who works with the Ram Dass, basically at their foundation but it's like even within myself, when I check my own biases, or there's a, somebody, a politician behaving badly, and I'm like, oh, that guy. And it's like, oh, no, we're still all connected. Right. And so how do I keep working from that place, which is not easy to do, I might do it, you know, half of a percent a week. And, and so that that certainly when I talk about health or wellness is, is one of my goals is to kind of see if I can minimize my own filter to everything around me and I, Right which is definitely (laughs) a real dance. One of the things I found so therapeutic,
0: honestly, during the pandemic was this podcast because I had this ability to connect with others like yourself Mm -hmm. and other thought leaders. And I I remember, and this is sort of my my own path, my own growth, because I used to sort of have this idea that I could be I could do everything myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need people. I'm just going to, you know, sort of put my head down and punch it out punch it out. But I think in my in my wise old years now, I think that one of the things and i think this is particularly true for females for women is that we fortify ourselves and we find safety in community that we find safety yeah. with with others what are some of the ways that maybe either professionally or personally that you find yourself healing in community i know you mentioned xpts where you have where, mm-hmm. you know there's there's people that you're that you're working with working out with together that's always a big bond or a way to bond with someone is to work out with them mm-hmm. what are some of the other ways that you fortify you know social connection in your life
1: And to be clear, I don't actually hang out with a bunch with the people I train with. So it's like, Mm -hmm. we see each other, love you, sweat, beat it, you know, so it's a bit of that. (laughs) I don't and I I think when people also when having kids, you kind of get wrapped up in that with because I have work, and there's only so much time, but I have a few friends that I've had a very long time. I'm totally open to new friends. In fact, I, in the last two year, three years, I've met two people that I feel like I will know for many years to come. So I, I definitely don't Shut off to, to new people. I really follow that feeling of, oh, I'm I this person I I can connect with them and and it's just that reminder that I can only be better through a community. Right, like, the only way I'm going to continue to work on my own stuff is to be in these relationships. And my children have really taught me that they're the you know they really they're the greatest teachers. But I think I I end up saying no a lot. So a lot of my connection around my friends is, is training. And when I know it's been too long, I will go see somebody or, or go do with it, but I'm not much of a girl's lunch, girl's trip, girls. I'm don't do any of that. Um, and, and I think it's, it's just about having those people that I know if I call or they know if they need to talk, I know they are right on the other side. And that actually is more valuable to me than tons and tons of time. Yeah if I just have those people that I know I can say anything to, and I can call and go, ham hey, wrestling this. For me, that really feeds me. So it's more the quality versus the quantity. Yeah, I'm not, I actually don't want to hang out that often. I'm mm-hmm. very much like a loner. And I, you know, we, you were joking about like, oh, you do all this stuff. It's like, yeah. And I, there's only so much time. And I am also at this time, you know, kind of in a still a little bit of a family centric. So I'm trying to do my job because that feels what's so important.
0: Yeah. And I, I you know, I've seen charts with, you know, time. you've probably seen these charts too, with like time with family and it's like, you get 18 summers. Like that's sort of what, oh, I, yeah. you know, it's like you get and the 75% of your time with your children is sort of this time that you've spent with them. Is, I think, I forget the age, but it's like 13 or 14. And then it's sort of, there's this really sad graph where there's just this, uh, you know, marked decline in the time that you spend with your children. So I would imagine, I mean, that's sort of what I'm doing now because there's always the opportunity to go speak and go, you know, travel and here and there. And it's like, and I'm not going to, if I can't bring my boys with me, you know, like I would, I would rather be at the soccer game than on a plane. And even though it brings like the traveling and the connections and all that, it's, there's it's always very lucrative for, for my career. At this point, I'm just trying to maximize time with my kids.
1: You're never gonna regret that. And then, and then they get so intense and that you're just like, yeah, I'm good. Like that's the other <laughs> great thing about nature, right? Like my youngest, I'm like, wait, when is this one moving out? You yeah. know, cause you're so <laughs> annoying and like this and you just, like nature does this great balance of like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna go with your friends. Okay, have fun. You know, like, yeah, yeah. You want like, some extra money so you can stay <laughs> longer. Yeah. Seriously, so it's it's such a great, and that's why it's so important for us to develop ourselves, our own passions, the things what we like, yeah. because no matter what, it's like no partner, no kid is going to define, and no, and no title, no, like I'm the CEO. You know, it's like none of that is going to give us that sense of self more than us really knowing ourselves and what we like and what makes us feel good. And I that's why I always encourage women. Men do it easier typically. I think they they do that better. And we're sort of like, how can I do everything for everybody? And then we're yes. like, what about me? And so it's just reminding them to- you know, have your own jam. And that's where it's good to have good friends because you can just go see a friend and be like, Oh, I'm a person. You're a person. Let's have a, you know, a talk kind of thing.
0: One of the things this will be sort of not a hard left, but it's related to what you were saying, you know, about having your own thing. One of the products and businesses that you've started is one Mm -hmm. of my absolute favorite projects, which is layered superfoods. Mm. This is my I was just saying sort of before we got started that we are a chocolate family. So my husband, Mocha? Yeah. Yeah. The mocha. So we love the, you know, it's, we put that in our, it's like a creamer for our coffee and there's pumpkin and there's many other flavors, but I wanted to touch on that a little bit because it is, at least for us, it's a way, sometimes it's our pre-workout, you know, like I might Mm. have a little bit of food, but there's always, you know, the, like I'll, you know, get my have some coffee in the morning and I'll often mm-hmm. put the layered superfood in there. One of the things I wanted to just highlight is the ingredients. I know how intentional yeah. and how stringent you are with sort of the the, the cocktail of ingredients yeah. there. And I wondered if you might expand on that a little bit because I think it's such a fabulous product.
1: You know, it's been a real education. It, the c- company was created kind of by accident, out of a habit. Laird was always trying to figure out how to create performance for himself. He, when he surfs, they go out for five hours, right? So he's putting healthy fats. Nothing new. If he, You know, old days was yak butter tea and, you know, what have you. So lo and behold, Laird Superfood begins. And then we start thinking, about, well, what would you share with your friends or your family and having, you know, people who consume it or customers, they're just your extended family. You just don't right. know them. Right. Right, right. And so we made a commitment. We created guardrails a long time ago. Not, of course, no artificial flavors, but even no natural flavors, which has been such an education because shelf life, stability, you know, cost flavor, all these things get impacted when you make these decisions. And it's one of those things. And this is where Laird and I really come together. It's like, I don't want to be successful. If I have to be successful that way, it doesn't mean that much to me. And I, and it, and Laird is even, you know, on another level of that. And so I love these products. I love sharing these products because if people can use them in their, whatever way that they are, and it supports them because the ingredients are, are, you know, there's very few and, and, and they make you feel good and they taste good. And that's what we always say. The highest level ingredients is the first guardrail, but I'm the voice of reason. And I say to Laird, you might eat stuff because it's good for you. No one else will. So we try to make this, all the flavors are, I find very enjoyable and, and great. But it, oh, this has been like going to business school. I mean, you can't imagine, we took this company public. You can't imagine the amount of things that you learn about the way business practices are around the food business. I've had food scientists say to me, well, you know, if you put only a little bit in, you don't actually have to put it on the package. And I'm just like, yeah, that's not what we're doing. So it's, it's been wonderful. And it like anything, it's been a challenge. What has been some of the biggest lessons
0: that you would say in terms of like, you mentioned the scientists saying, Hey, you don't have to claim anything on the package. Like what are some yeah. of the other, you know, challenges that you've come up with in the formulation and mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, shelf life and, you know, yeah. consu- like taste and all of that.
1: Well, so even, you know, for example, we, Vanilla is the most popular flavor of creamers and uh, 90% of the creamer business for coffees and other things are refrigerated and our original products were only powders. We now have refrigerated in all, all whole foods. But the point is, is that we could not make a vanilla for years and years because there were no good crops. I guess, you know, Madagascar had some bad vanilla. It was going to be too expensive even when we first came out with it because we were using real vanilla we could only sell it online because otherwise it was cost prohibitive to sell it in the store. So it was like, oh no, we're not going to make the most popular flavor for the first four years of our business mm-hmm. because we can't get it <laughs> right. cost effectively. And we're not going to listen, natural flavor, bang, you're good. Let's go. And you can ramp it up. And people's used to mouth feel and flavor their palates. Usually it's like, oh, I want that thing to punch the back of my throat. And so it's very interesting. We make a bar. We make protein bars, for example. And one of my friends, we have a lemon almond one, and she goes, "It's really good, but the lemon, the flavor, it's so soft." And I said, "Yeah, because it's, it's real. Like your guys are. Every, we're all used to all of these other flavors that are so bold, and so it's, it's, it's been great. But it's like this: when you get in your car and you drive on the road, you go, you know what? I'm going to stay in my lane, and when I see that it's a red light, I'm going to stop." And I think it's the same thing. When you create guardrails for a business, you go, this is what we're doing. And if we make it, we make it. And if we don't, then we don't. And you get out of your own way of, well, you know, maybe I'm this skew, we could just bend. And it's like, no, this is how we're doing it. And it makes it more interesting. And, And then again, again, when people say, oh, my kid uses it or my wife or my husband, you feel really, you feel really good about that. It's really a fun and hard business to be in, in food. Food is insane. And I think, you know, to your point around taking it public
0: and the success that it has, like people also, there's also a really big need for it. Like people vote with their money, right? So you go to the grocery store every time you're casting votes. If you want the bold lemon versus the actual lemon, like if you were to take a lemon from your uh, you know, kitchen, and yeah. you know squeeze it like you're going to get I mean, you're going to get tart tartness, but it's also a soft, as you were saying, it's a softer yeah. flavor and I think um I, I think that there's certainly a need and a want for ethical companies who are not willing to just put the little thing and not not claim it on the yeah. not claim it on the on the package as well. I think that's very much needed and you know, you go to places like, and I'm sure you can comment on this as well, but whenever I go to Italy, for example, I don't actually have ice cream. I don't really have pasta here unless I know that the pasta is actually imported from Italy because I don't do well with ice cream. I don't do well with pasta here, but in Italy, I'm fine. And, you know, I don't know if it's just the air, everything's better in Italy. I don't know. But it's also, I think that it's, they are very stringent. They have a, they have pride with their food. And I think that I think that North did, America did, could really benefit from that,
1: well, did you see that they 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 you're not allowed to have make artificial meat there they banned, I believe right yeah. they're the first country yeah. yeah listen i again, this is just a, a way we go, hey, if we're going to be in food, what are the ways that we can show up, and that's all we can do like I you know it's I think sometimes it's so easy to get pulled down by how insane it is and and people misconstrue like the food business is not a food business. They're selling you something, but it's not a lot of it. Is food like it's food like? Yeah, and like you know, it's all that. So I I think we'll see more companies certainly doing it, and and uh, because it it, it used to be more like that, and then we we got into food science, and I think enough of us have sort of gone. Oh wait, this doesn't seem to be working. We're not well. So what can we do? And, And instead of getting down and out, let's just give it our best shot because. That's all we can do.
0: Yeah, well said. This has been such a pleasure talking with you. Very, you know, I share some of your story. Obviously, we've had parallel but differing paths and just love the way that you have not become a victim of circumstance and have been able to move through life with grit and grace and the success that you've had. So if people want to find out more about Laird Superfoods or XPT or any anything where you'd like to direct them where where would we where should we send them?
1: Yeah, if they want to Laird Superfood is at lairdsuperfood.com. I mean we're in all whole foods and Amazon and such, but if they want to try the products we have all the products on Laird Superfood and actually Gabby2024 they can get a discount. Hmm. Uh, and we have greens with, you know, no fillers and bars and hydrate products. I love our hydrate products. We also have one thing I would say too, is instant products. So we have an instant latte. You should try the instant mocha, mm. instant chai and matcha. If people aren't coffee people, cause all you need is hot water and these are amazing. So if you're on the go or traveling or, you know, it's a little cold now, but going in the outdoors, th- those products are, are pretty fantastic. And as far as me, they can find me at all things Gabby Reese or the Gabby Reese um, show. I have a, a podcast where I talk m- mostly about kind of ways that you can take care of yourself. Occasionally, I get a comedian in there or something. But th- those are the angles like trying to take the best information I can find, but make it at a sixth grade level. So it's like, oh, yeah, I could I could do that. Fabulous. All right. So we'll have all those links in the show notes.
0: Gabby Reese, it Thanks. has just been a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thank you. I, I want to say one last thing. I think if, if you go, oh, you've been successful. I, I don't know about that. What I do know is that I've had this real luxury of living a life that really feels for the most part pretty true to who I am. And so anyone listening, I think that's, that would be the goal. Like, who am I? What do I like? What turns me on? What problems in my work life do I want to be solving that I can believe in? What kind of relationship do I want to be in? And do that because then you will be successful. And I know it's loud out there. Like, oh, look like that and get that and do all that. But if we can, if we could shut that down just a little more and tap in, I think that's when the good stuff really starts to happen. It doesn't mean it's the loudest stuff or the sexiest stuff. It means the good stuff, the stuff that is who we are, you know? Yeah, there's depth.